Good morning, ladies. Um, welcome to our marriage class on February 1st. <laughs> Give your guys soft a hand clap for coming. Because <laughs> we could have been home sleeping or maybe cleaning, um, doing all that. But you guys made a point to be here, so it shows how important our marriages are. Um, so this morning, we just want to welcome you guys. Um, and we're just going to open up with a word of prayer. And also, I just wanted just to remind everybody just to continue just to keep those families that have been affected. Last Sunday, the plane crash, Kobe Bryant's family and all the other families, just keep them in prayer. They've been really heavy on my heart. I had been sick, and then I heard about it, and i just been watching all the stories and hearing just the, all the tragic things that had happened and all the loved ones, the children, the wives, the fathers. I, I told my husband, I couldn't even imagine losing you or my kids. I said, it would be just like, tear me apart. So I can't even imagine of what they're facing, what they're feeling, and all their emotions. So let's just continue to keep them in prayer on our prayer list, just to pray for them, because they need our prayers, our strength, and our encouragement through this time. So just keep them in prayer. And just, um, <clears throat> let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord God. We just thank you, Father God, for this beautiful Saturday, Lord God, that you've given us, Lord. Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, that we're able to come in your house, Father God. Lord God, and get nuggets, Father God, for our marriages, for our homes, Father God, for our families, Lord God. We just pray this morning, Father God, that you just begin to have your way this morning, Lord God. That you just encourage every wife that's here, Father God, whatever they're facing, Lord, in their homes, in their marriage, Father. We just pray, Father, for your Holy Spirit. Lord God, your continuous guidance and wisdom, direction in our lives, Lord, in our marriages, Lord, strengthen our marriages, God, continue to have your way inside of our lives, inside of our hearts, Lord God, and just anoint, Father, the testimony, Lord God, the teaching, Father God, that you have for us this morning, Lord God, and we be sure to give you all the honor and all the glory, in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So before we start with Sister Nancy, we're going to have um, Sister Rose Sandoval. She's going to be sharing a testimony. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give her the mic. Let's give her a hand clap. Amen. Good morning, ladies. Um, blessed to be here with you all this morning. Um, I was told to do a, uh, give a testimony, and I was thinking, okay, God, what, do you, what is it that you want me to, to share? Or, um, so um, I was thinking, and this scripture came to me, um, Isaiah 43, 2. Um, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. And I think that's so crucial um, to our lives because we go through a lot of difficult times. We go through difficult times in our marriage. We go through difficult times with our children, um, with our health a lot of times. Um, I think I've shared more than a couple of times in my life. We had dealt with sickness with my daughter, my oldest daughter. And um, it was most, um, one of the most difficult times in our lives because, you know, that's my daughter. She was five years old and she got sick out of one day. It just changed our whole life forever. And um, I think about it now and I think how... Um, how tragic it was, how, we, how I felt like I couldn't even breathe at times because of the, sh the, sh the shocking news. And when you go through something like that, um, because you figure, like, there's nothing that I can do but trust God. There's nothing that I can, you know, um, change but trust God. And so more than physical to her, it's spirit it was spiritual for me and my husband. It was something that, that just really just 
took us to a different level spiritually because when you go through something like that, it feels like I mentioned, I couldn't even, I couldn't even take a step because I felt like, what is going on, God? Why is this happening? I felt like um, I grew up in church, both of us. I felt like I tried to do the best that I could. I tried to be the best Christian, the best person, the best wife, the best daughter. And this has happened now. And I was like, and I would um, blame myself. Like, what did I do wrong? What is it that I did wrong to now, now this is taking place in my daughter's life? And I, and I sat and I would sit there day after day and comp, like thinking in my head, what was it that I did? Did I do this? Did I do that? Um, so it was affecting me spiritually. And I took a toll in my life and, um, until one day, you know, I shared with my husband. And, and the reason I'm sharing this in the marriage class is because how we need to strengthen one another in a, as, a, as a couple. Because he would strengthen me, and then when he would be down with the situation, I would strengthen him. And we just learned to lean on each other for strength and be an encourager to one another. And just like the story of Joseph, when I, when I read that scripture, um, how God showed him the end. God showed him that his brothers and his family would bow down to him. But he didn't see what was taking place in the middle. God, you know, he didn't know um, that they would um, sell him. That he didn't know all the things, all the terrible things that took place in the middle. So when we're going through things like this, the, um, the bad reports, um, the sickness, the things weren't getting better, they were getting worse with my daughter. Um, I just had to take comfort and say, God, I know that you're a faithful God. I know that you're a God, that you're going to be with us no matter what. And yes, we, I struggled. I struggled spiritually at times. I felt like I, I can't do this. This is too difficult. God, help me. Where are you, God? But yet, you know, I would, I would, my husband at that, at that time, we were um, assisting my, my father-in-law in, uh, in Alhambra. And he would go to church, and I would be like, oh, how, does, how can he leave me? I'm suffering. I'm not, you know, and, but I would never say it. I would never say it. I would just say, okay, go, enjoy. I'm praying for you at service, you know, because at that time he was leading worship. And I would pray, and I would pray for the service, but yet my flesh was like, how could he leave me? I need him. <laughs> and, um, but now, if I could if I look now at where God's brought my daughters, she's 18 now. She was five when she got sick, and she's doing so good. She is doing so good. She is our miracle. Um, she's graduated from, from high school, and I see now that all that we had to go through, all the difficult times, all the crying, all the suffering, all the pain, it wasn't for nothing. I see now that God had a plan and a purpose. Still, maybe not today. I don't have seen it fulfilled completely why but I do know that there was a plan that God was stretching us and molding us and um, there's been women that had come to our church in Alhambra that had lost children that had gone to similar things and I said okay God I think this is what you know one of the reasons why you've taken us to this place what you've taught us what you've um, shown us to give us you know that love and compassion for those who have gone through similar issues and still today we haven't arrived um, in that area, but I do know that God had a plan and a purpose, and and I would just, like uh, Sister Sabrina mentioned about um, the Kobe Bryant issue, that really tore me apart too, I was like, oh, my. besides the fact that he was a legend, that he was a basketball player, and he was this great person, to me, he was a father and a husband, and that's what was like, oh my gosh, it tore me apart, and every time the, the girls are, 
devastated too because they're huge basketball player um, fans. I was like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. It just broke my heart. So that's what I've been doing. Just God, you know, and all of us. Um, I think it's Psalms. Um, let me see here. I believe it's Psalms 90. Verse 12, teach us to realize how short our lives are. Then our hearts will become wise. And I think we all take for granted, you know, our husbands at times, our, our kids, our, you know, our pastors, our family members, our, our church family, you know, because we get tired, we get overwhelmed, we get frustrated, we get um, a lot, we have a lot on our plate. But um, it, just, it just brings us to a realization like, gosh, I have to appreciate every single day that I have with my husband, with my children, you know, living, you know, because that's how life can be. From one day to another, our lives can change forever. And so I just want to encourage you, just lean on one another, pray for your husband, love him, cherish him, enjoy every minute that you can, and um, I just be blessed. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you so much, each and every one of you, for coming. Uh, when she mentioned about Kobe, um, I had, <laughs> when I cry, you, you can't tell, but my nose gets big and red. So when I'm upset, I put makeup on my nose <laughs> so that I could walk through and act like, ah, I, I'm fine. And nobody in the family will know I'm crying, but all day I was doing the same thing for two or three days. It just breaks your heart for their family, for their friends. And I even sent um, A.C. Green a small message from our church and us because he works with us. And I know that he loved Kobe, and I know it's a bad time for him. Um, Today I'm going to speak on the mind, and I'm really excited because Pastor Ruben spoke on it, and I was like, yes, and I'm just going to say this, it's not on my notes, but you need to treasure your mind, you need to take care of your mind, and we're going to go through a lot of scriptures your mind is more important than your children, than your husband, more important than anything except God. Because it's a part of your body that he gave you. Don't take it for granted. Don't even believe your mind at times. And just like she said, feeling hurt. We go through a lot with our children. We go a lot with through through a lot with our husbands, with family members, and there's times when we think we're crazy. There's times when I have to ask God, am I crazy or are they crazy? <laughs> Somebody here is crazy because of what our mind does to it, us. It plays tricks, and I'm going to go through a couple of examples. So remember, your mind's not you. When your mind goes off in left field, say, wait. Hang on. Your mind is a de decision maker. Your mind is a storage center. And your mind's a factory for knowledge. Um, it also stores emotional events and emotional feelings about your spouse. 
It gathers information about your marriage and it stores. It keeps storing. I saw something that was really sad and it was this woman was on TV and it showed her face and she's talking away and talking away about, I didn't know things were gonna turn out like this. Then the camera starts showing her face and starts showing her torso, you know, from here and it goes on and on. And, and then it came to the bottom of her torso and then all of a sudden it went down and all she was was just a body and a head no arms nor no legs. And she had diabetes and she starts talking about how she totally ignored it, never thought she was gonna be in this state. And I know so many family mem members that had diabetes, some that died from diabetes, some that had different parts of their bodies removed. And um, I have a couple of brothers who have diabetes. I know every time I go to the doctor, they tell me, well, you're borderline. And I'm just like, ha, ha, ha. And I leave, and I ask Denise, what is borderline? And she says, it means you have diabetes. It's just not bad enough yet for you to start taking medication. I was like, is that what it means? <laughs> but. The moment I saw that commercial, it has not left my mind. And when someone tells me that they have diabetes, I'm like, oh my God, God help them. Don't let them end up like that. Because I cried the whole day when I saw this woman who had it. But what your mind does is it takes events that hit you emotionally and it stores it and it comes back. So you never forget things that have happened to you that are emotional. So your mind is very, very powerful. The mind can take a thought and turn it into an experience. And that's bad because it can take something that happened and make you think that it did happen to you. At times, it doesn't differentiate, differentiate what you have imagined from what you have experienced. And I'm sure it's happened to all of us. When someone tells me their dream, I visualize it, and then I start praying on it. And I'll be talking to somebody and saying, yeah, I had that dream. And then I went, wait a minute. Was it my dream or was it somebody else's? <laughs> because it's set my brain and I don't know one way or another. I wanna give you an example. It's kind of a bad example, but I wanna share something. Um, I don't know how many of you were alive on August 29th in 1970, but what happened is um, there was a National Chicano Mor Moratorium March against the Vietnam War. And I'm going to use this because it's a good example of someone having the same experience but coming out with different conclusions. And I remember that my husband and I had gone to it because all my cousins and my brother went to Vietnam. All his cousins had gone to Vietnam. 
And um, they, at that time, they were giving statistics that a high percentage, like 50% of the guys in Vietnam that died were uh, Hispanic. So it was like, why is it so unfair that our guys go to the front and all this and that? And I wasn't saved, so there my husband and I are at this march, and at the end of Laguna Park, they were going to have, you know, festivities and dancing and, you know, all this stuff going on. So my husband and I went to the event. Well, what happened, Ruben Salazar, who was a reporter not related to us for the Los Angeles Times, he was the only Hispanic reporter, so they sent him to the park to... Um, report. Well, instead of going to the park, he decided he was going to go into the bar and have a drink. Well, what happened is a cop shot right into the bar, and it went right into his head, and he was killed. I want to share all the memorials and things that happened after that. Rolling Stone magazine told the story. A plaque honoring him at the former LA Times building is there. He was awarded the John F. Kennedy uh, Journalism Award, even though he was dead. All of this is going on. Laguna Park is where the rally started, is now called Ruben Salazar Park. A fictional novel was written about him with the name of Roland uh, Zanzibar. And then a corrido, that's, that's a song, right? Okay. Titled El... It, I've, how do you say 29 in Spanish? 29? Okay. The Agosto was made about him. A classroom building in Cal State LA is named after him. Uh, at Sonora, Sonoma State University, a classroom is named after him. In 2008, a stamp was made honoring him. In 2014, a doc documentary was made about him. I got to see that, because I Googled his name. <laughs> no offense to anybody, and I hope nobody here is related to him, because you'll throw a bomb on my head. But I just want to let you know, he wasn't the only one who died that day. Another guy died, whose name was Angelo Diaz, and my husband and I saw him murdered that day. And here's what happened. There was a blockade that the cops had made. When, when the riot hit, everybody ran screaming and running, and people are shooting, and the cops are shooting, and I don't know what started it, I just know all of a sudden, it was like, yikes, get me out of here. My husband and I drove down the street. We saw barricades, and I told him, stop, stop. I think I was screaming the whole time in the car. He pulls over. He stops. Well, Angelo Diaz is coming like this. I don't know him. And all of a sudden, he sees the blockade. I thought the blockade was here. He came this way, turned that way, we're parked 
over there. Well, they shot him and killed him, and his car, because he was dead, hit the car right across the street from us. And, you know, the fire department was on fire. They were, the kids were starting fires in homes, everything. I mean, it, it was crazy. So anyway, you know, I start screaming, let's get out of here. And so we got in the car and turned and took off. We get home and, um, you know, I turn on the radio to see what's the name of this guy that we saw get murdered. And, and then I remember I worked for LAPD. I'm like, oh, no, because when we got there, people handed us... Um, banners and flags and all this stuff and then all of a sudden this guy goes everyone with flags line up like this so we lined up and we led the parade like if we're you know somebody in charge and I told him then then all these cameras were there you know and I get to work and everyone goes Nancy I saw you on TV and I went they're gonna fire me I know they're gonna fire me I don't have a job anymore I was all nervous, but anyway, when we got home, I told Richard, did you see that? Did you see they just murdered him for nothing? And he goes, Nancy, he ran a blockade. I said, no, he didn't. The blockade was behind him. He goes, no, Nancy, it was in front of him. I said, well, they just started shooting, but the bullets are coming towards us because they're shooting him like this, and we're there, and he ended up going that way. But we argued for months, and he said, no, they're right. He ran a blockade. I said, well, I'm not convinced. I disagree. He goes, well, if I were you, I wouldn't say anything. I would just be quiet, you know, because the cops said he ran a blockade, so what are you going to do, lose your job over this, or, or what's going to happen? But when there's times of emotions and things are happening, we could misinterpret facts, but we'll go, no, this happened. And it's not just about this story about Angelo Diaz. It's about anything and everything that happens in life. We can sit and argue with our husband and family members over stupid things and not speak to each other because we don't agree with each other. We have to learn to just let it go. I have stood right next to my husband and heard him say something. I'll go, why'd you say that to me? And he'll look at me and say, I haven't opened my mouth. I said, Richard, you were right there. I heard every word. And he's Nancy, I didn't. And so I'm sitting going, is this my mind or did he say it? And it's his mind. He can't remember. But I've drawn the conclusion that we have an enemy, and that's the devil. And his job is to kill, steal, and destroy. His job is to kill your marriage and my marriage. His job is to destroy our lives. And we have to keep that in mind, and we have to remember that. The mind can take a thought and turn it into an experience in your marriage. Your mind is so powerful that companies will pay $2.4 million for a 30-second commercial 
during a Super Bowl football game to flash a picture in front of you. They paid that much, and I had heard on TV, I think it's now um, five million for a small, small commercial. Why? Because the mind's so powerful that it will connect with that picture, and they know it. They know it'll stay right here. So there's some 30-second commercials that show a sexy girl for 28 seconds, and I remember watching a commercial. She had clothes on, but very sexy and moving around. I'm going, okay, and what is this about? And it ended up, they spend one second, no, two seconds showing toothpaste. So what does she have to do with toothpaste? I'll tell you what the connection is, pleasure, pleasure. And that's what they do. And you connect the pleasure and the sexy girl. I better not find my husband buying that toothpaste. <laughs> the mind connects colors. Um, a girl, a woman was telling me because, she, right, she's temporarily working in a building that one time was a jail or a prison, and she told me the colors are peach on the walls. And that's so that when the prisoners come in, they feel fluffy and at home and, and uh, not like, if it was red or some other color. The mind connects sounds. I don't know if you remember this, but Passion of Christ, um, we had gotten a letter in the mail, and it said, you know, they were inviting me and my husband. I had never even heard about the movie Passion of Christ. It hadn't come out. And um, it said that Mal Gibson was going to be there. So I thought, wow, he made a movie, and it, it's something about Christ and he's going to be there oh well so I asked my husband you want to go and it was on a day we weren't doing anything he was okay you know an hour or two we'll be there it's not a big deal so we went and you know Mel Gibson comes out talks about the movie and that was it and they start playing it and, and I'm not uh, the type of person that cries at movies I just try not to I've always been embarrassed to, I mean, I have at times, but I'm not, my mom would sit there from the beginning, <gasps> we'd miss half the movie because my mom's hysterical over every scene. But I'll tell you what, I remember watching it, I remember it getting to me, and I just said, I gotta get out of here. I remember I walked out and I just said, I asked somebody, where's the restroom? And I went into the bathroom and I just stood there and I was like, <sighs> I felt like I was doing this to Christ. Do you know what I heard about that movie? And I want to see it again. They said, you never see them whipping him. They never see you doing anything to him. It's all sound. You hear him yowling. You hear him feeling the pain. And that movie is the, in fact, remember they put an R on it and said, it, you know, it was brutal and all this and that. And 
It never went to the Academy Awards, never won anything, and it's the movie to this day that has made the most money. But Mal Gibson did it with sounds. So remember that. Our brain will take a sound and change it. The mind connects with emotions. Um, not for you younger ones, but is there anyone here, I'm not going to ask you, that could tell me exactly where you were and what you were doing on the day that John F. Kennedy died? Hands up so I could see. Okay. I know exactly where I was. I was at Kramer Junior High. My dad had left us, and I was in eighth grade, and I remember walking out, and all the teachers were crying. They were like walking like zombies. They were looking around. They, were, they didn't know where they were at or where they were going. They just heard John F. Kennedy had been uh, murdered. So when emotional things happen to us, our brain changes. In your marriage, you can decide a feeling you can't decide a feeling, but you can decide a focus. So when something happens to you in your marriage or whatever, and trauma hits you or you get upset, you cannot help at that moment how you feel about anything, but you can decide what your focus is going to be. Um, one of the biggest tragedies in my life was my dad leaving. I was 13. Um, it was the summer, me going into the eighth grade. And I, I, you know, I knew my mom and dad would argue you know, about things now and then. My mom's not an arguer. She would just go, aye, 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 and that was it. But the thought that my dad didn't love us, it was like, Ugh. and that he would take off with another woman that had a daughter my age. It was like unbearable, and I'll always remember that. And each one of us have things in our life that have brought us trauma. And at that time, your mind is gone. All you're doing is concentrating on the negative. Remember that, wives, because sometimes you can take things out on your husband, and it's very unfair. In fact, I heard something that was really cool. I mean, I, I enjoy hearing people learn from mistakes. And Judge Judy was married. I don't know if you know this. She divorced her husband, and then... She remarried him again. I don't know the length of time in between, but someone was interviewing her, and she was like, ooh, I don't know if I want to talk about that. And he, he goes, no, 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 How, what happened? Why did you divorce him, and why did you remarry him? What did he do that was so awful? She said, well, my dad died, and at the time I felt like he wasn't sympathetic. I felt like... He wasn't treating me the way I should be treated. You know, I was my daddy's little girl. You know, I loved him. And, and she's just going on and on. And she said, 
And he, he just act like it was another day in life. And she divorced him. And she said, but after that, she said, after, you know, a long time of thinking about what uh, I had gone through, I realized that he was a man and men don't react to certain things that happen. And, and that was it. Uh, and as she was talking, I could not identify with her because I, I would never be upset with my husband because he's not crying because my mom had died or my dad had died. But we had Pastor Willie George speaking here the day we had to bury my dad. And I remember my husband saying, I'm sorry, uh, I won't be able to take you to lunch because my uh, wife, we're burying her dad right now. We're leaving. And I remember he looked at me like, you know, we walked out the door. And same thing, my mom, when she died, the day we found out she died, we were having our 30th anniversary at um, the Queen Mary. And so there's times in our lives that horrible things are going to happen. And we could look at our husband and go, what's with this guy? He don't even care. Look at the way he's acting. Can't do that. He's not going to feel the way you feel. But he will feel for you. But he's a man. He's not a girl. And um, it will happen to us in life. Okay, the other thing is your mind gathers information and it sorts it. It distinguishes what matters and what does not matter. That gets me mad. That my, you know how um, on your phone, not your phone, but I'm trying to think of what I'm talking about. You can, you can tell me that it goes through your emails and it wipes them out or it doesn't let you see everything. And I'm going, I tell my husband, why is it doing that? What if I want it? How do I know what? I'm not seeing, and he says, well, that's what it does. It sorts it for you, and you don't know. And I was like, I don't want this mechanism. So you are responsible for what you do with your mind. You, nobody else. You have to stop and say, what is my mind doing right now? What is it processing? What is my mind telling me to do? Your mind is not you. And that's where the devil plays with our minds. That's where he plays all his dirty games. It's a part of you. It's a, a mechanical thing God put inside of you that requires cleansing and renewing. That's your job, to cleanse it and renew it. It's your mind. It has to be renewed, and your mind has to be trained. Uh, when we were um, in Washington, D.C., I finally got my husband to go to the Pentagon. Love that place. And um, the guy goes, yeah, I mean, for 45 minutes, he's talking like this. 45 <laughs> minutes. He's climbing on escalators. Who else has gone to the Pentagon? Am I not lying? 45 minutes, he's like this. And we're following him like this, like, you're going to trip. 
45 minutes. He said, I had to learn all this stuff in 14 days. And I was like, oh, my God. I would have never been able to do that. So you must see that your heart part, your longing part, and your passion for God is at war with your mind. God is at war with your mind. The devil's telling you one thing. God's telling you another. Your mind does not get saved when you do. Your mind stays the same. It continually has to be renewed. I can tell you right now, every stinking thing I did that I'm embarrassed about, unsaved, because it didn't get renewed. It, it keeps everything right here. Every morning, every day, every evening, it needs to be renewed. And um, Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. That's a command. That's you. He says, go to work. Let this mind be in you that's in Christ Jesus. Um, Andrea is going to put something on for us. You're going to have a good laugh in case I made anyone cry. It's very cute. It's by Mark Gunger. And it's about a woman's brain and a man's brain. And he's telling the truth. different from each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains, all right? Now, men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes, and we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. we got, <laughs> we got, we, we got boxes everywhere, and, and the rule is the boxes don't touch. <laughs> when a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. All right? And, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. <laughs> and everything is connected to everything. <laughs> the money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. And it's like... <laughs> 
It's like the internet superhighway, okay? <laughs> and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. And it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. <laughs> because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> uh, women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> Okay. Now men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. In fact, we call it the nothing box. And of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. <laughs> That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. <laughs> you know, like fishing. measured this. The University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago did a study and discovered that men have the ability to think about absolutely nothing and still breathe. <laughs> you know, they connected all the wires and stuff like that and watched the brain activity then all of a sudden, he <laughs> I think he's dead! <laughs> huh? <laughs> you know. Women can't do it. They can't do it. Their minds never stop. And, and they don't understand the nothing box. And it drives them crazy. Because nothing drives a woman more crazy or makes her feel more irritated than to witness a man doing nothing. If you write anything on your computer, Oh, I love, love, love him. Okay, I have to hurry. I spent a lot of time. Every marital battle is the battle of the mind. Battle of the mind. I just picture God up in heaven, and he's not going to tell you you're right or he's right. Romans 1.28, because they thought it was worthless to embrace the true knowledge of God, God gave them over to a worthless mindset, a reprobate mind, to break all rules of proper conduct. If you want to not clean your mind, God's not going to bother you with you. 
Right here, this scripture said, he'll just let you turn over to a reprobate mind, and that's it. That's in Romans 1.28. That scares me. Significant preachers in love with Jesus have lost their minds. I've been around for going on 50 years now, 45 years. I could tell you stories that would scare the life out of you, things that ministers have done. When I was in England, I was shocked because practically every pastor of a church, they call them victors, that we went to ended up having a nervous breakdown. And I was, how could a pastor have a nervous breakdown? Well, the reason why in England it's a job. Their wives don't even attend their church. It's just a job. They get paid to do it, and they go, and that's that. So your mind is so remarkable that all demonic powers are focused on your mind. And I think I've told you this before. Kevin's a day that went to heaven, and he was there for 45 minutes, and he thought he was going to stay, and God told him, no, I'm sending you back because I want want to give you teachings and he was I don't want to go back and he told God why but he said he looked down and on all of us were clusters of demons clusters even on the Christians and the enemy does that and there's times when I know he's messing with me and I'll just say in the name of Jesus because he wants to start things between you and your husband. So if your mind is not renewed daily, it will make you think things that are not true. Do you hear me? It'll make you think things that are not true. Philippians 4, 8 says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good, if they have any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Everyone write down Philippians 4.8. That's where your mind is supposed to be. True, Jesus, honest, Jesus, just, Jesus, pure, Jesus, Lovely, Jesus, good report, Jesus. That's where your mind should be. So Romans 12, 2 said, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If your mind is not transformed, you do not know what God's perfect will is for your life. The, listen to the Passion Translation. It's supposed to be the closest to what the Greek and Hebrew was saying. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you. Leave whatever, Oprah and all those other programs alone. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how 
you think. In other words, he's telling you, look at how you're thinking. Stay aware of it because it's not you. It's the enemy and what he's thinking and putting in your head. So now here's the reward. If we allow our brains to be transformed, our mind, here's what you get. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life. You want a good marriage? Let your mind be transformed every day, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. That's your reward. I'm going to read it again. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his lives. You want to buy a good Bible? Go get the Passion Translation. Passion. Very good. If the mind can conceive it, listen to this. If the mind can conceive it, you can achieve it. Your mind is a powerful thing. In other words, if you set your mind to do something, you can achieve it. Uh, I'm going to quickly tell you because I don't want to keep you guys. Let's see how many minutes. Ah, I'm almost done, but I'm not done. Um, while I was on the plane coming back from Washington, D.C., I love documentaries. And there was one on the Silicon Valley. And it's all the kids, and it's showing pictures of them when they were young, and it first started, and they made this thing for Sony, and they came up with all this stuff, and it's going on, and it's showing them all excited. And then at the end, it shows them now older, and they couldn't keep up. They had a vision of your phone and mine today. But they had to go to, you know, the grocery store. They had to go to Ace Hardware, all these places to get little intricate parts and put them together to make the computer. And they did all this stuff on their own. They slept there. They ate there. They even stunk because they didn't take baths, nothing. Because night and day, night and day, they were working on building a computer, and they did it. But they said, one day, we're going to figure it out so that, that somebody can hold the phone on their hand, and ever, all the information they want will be right there. And then at the end, it shows them old. They never got to do it, never. But other people came along and did it. And they were being interviewed and asked, do you feel bad that you didn't? And they said, of course we feel bad. They had to close down their company. But they said, we're so excited. It was our dream. We thought of it. And it's done. It's made. It's here. People can hold information in their hand. They conceived it, and it's been achieved. I'm sure everybody at some time heard about that lady that a car fell on her daughter, and she literally picked up the car, and a man pulled the daughter out. That's because she saw it in her brain, and I believe angels came around and helped her pick that car up. 
Thousands of pieces of information enters your mind in a split second. Your mind is like a vacuum cleaner for knowledge. Remember to protect your mind from what goes in and stays in. There's things that go into your mind that want to stay there. Uh, a TV plants seeds for desires you never had. Be careful. What you watch on TV will plant seeds. The power of the mind is so strong that athletes who learn to control their mind become superstars. Did you hear that? The power of the mind is so strong that athletes who learn to control their mind become superstars. I'm going to give you some examples. At a halftime, why do you think the coaches call them in and start talking to them? Because they want to change their mind on what they're doing out on the field. Tennis players have 20 seconds to set before their next serve. 20 seconds. Do you know many of them pay for a therapist to stand on the sidelines? Because if they hit a bad serve, if they're like me, they'll go, oh, man, what did I do that for? I shouldn't have hit it that way. What's wrong with me? You know, and I'll go on and on about what's wrong with me, and it's time to serve again. But they turn around, they see their therapist, and they go, okay, my next move, let's see. Where am I going to hit it? What am I going to do? And that's what the, all, that's all the therapist does is just stand there and they see him and remember, forget the serve. That, that's over with. You've got another serve and you only have 20 seconds. Um, I saw this documentary on Ron Artest. He was with the Lakers at one time. He's an absolute nut. Um, his name is Meta. World Peace, that's the name he gave himself. I was watching this documentary and I only finished watching it because I was so stinking mad at him. They said he goes on the court, he's not looking for the ball. He's looking for the guy who has the ball. And he does everything he can to kill him, to kill him. He's got the ball, I'm going to kill you and then I'm going to get the ball. And if you've ever seen him on the court, they were showing pictures of him, and I'm like, he was just killing Kobe, and he was killing A.C. Green, and I'm like, leave them alone, you know. And I'm thinking, God, and they said he was just after A.C. Green. He just was after him, and I'm thinking, that was demonic. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the mind of Christ. If you keep thinking a thought, it becomes habitual. And they said physically we have gray matter in our brain. And if you think something bad, it makes a line. And then if you, yeah, I'm really mad at them. Here comes another line. Ooh, if he does that again, I'm really going to get him. And here comes another it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's what happens in your brain. And that's why you go, why am I mad at my husband? I keep thinking about what he did, that dumb thing. It just keeps coming back to you and back to you. So if you keep thinking a thought, 
It's going to be habitual. Deuteronomy 11, 19, 20, God told the Jews, take my word and write it on the doorposts. When you sit down to eat, read my word. When you walk with your children, talk about my word. He says it over and over again in Deuteronomy 11, 19 to 20. What you keep hearing, you eventually live. That's why it's good to be in church, bring your kids to church. If you go home and no one wants to read your, their word, don't, come on, I never see you reading your word. You read your word. If you don't see anybody praying, you pray. You take care of your mind. A single statement can forever change your personality through your mind. Um, when I was in first grade in Catholic school, I remember uh, a nun, she would say, every time you sin, you're just driving those stakes in Jesus' hand. I remembered that all through high school. And every time I wanted to act like my five crazy brothers, I'd say, Ugh, who wants to be like them? And I, even though I knew Jesus had died 2,000 years ago, I was like, I don't want to hurt him. That's what I would think. I don't want to hurt Jesus. Um, I remember this girl before I was saved. I could talk about her for ages. But anyway, she came up to me one day, and she, she was a problem for everybody on our floor. She goes, can I tell you what I can't stand about you? <laughs> and I just kind of looked at her, and I, I felt like saying, and that's what I can't stand about you. <laughs> but I, she just caught me off guard, and I turned around, and I looked at her, and I said, no. And all these girls were around me, and she goes, why? And I said, because I just might be the thing my husband loves about me and I'll change just to please you so no keep it to yourself and she walked away I was a bit of a smart mouth too so you know God changed me so the key to survival is God's word stored in your mind it can develop and it could grow it can get every weed out that Satan has planted in your marriage. And trust me, he's planted some weeds, and he's planting them right now. We feel that we don't look good enough at times. We're not smart enough. We're down on ourselves. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. Don't be down on yourself. You're the daughter of the king. You are brilliant. You have a good mind, a good heart. Stop putting yourself down. Philippians 2, 5 says, Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4, 15 says, Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He loves us. And here's the answer. How much time do I have? I'll hurry through this. Focus is the key. And, and here's the answer to everything. Focus is a key to minimizing what doesn't belong in your life. Focus on good things.
Focus neutralizes what God doesn't want you to notice. So when you're focused on him, you're not looking at the things that the enemy is showing you. Philippians 3.13 says, I forget those things that are behind, and I reach towards to those things that are in front of me, not behind me. Focus is a key to stripping everything of its power. When you're focused on God, you make the devil powerless, powerless. Philippians 3.14 says, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. So how do I forget? Press towards the mark. Press towards the mark. I forget yesterday by focusing on tomorrow. How do I get over my weaknesses? By concentrating on your strengths. We all have weaknesses. I have to tell you this because I think it's really good. Masters in ping pong, all they concentrate on is their strengths. They do not concentrate on their weaknesses. Whatever their strength is, they practice it, practice it, and practice it. And that's how they become masters at ping pong, is doing that. We are so preoccupied with our weaknesses that our strengths are whimpering away in the corner, unused, unnoticed, and undeveloped. Because we don't magnify the good part. Some of you could be a great cook, a great cleaner, a great mother, a great wife, but, oh, gee, I can't do this. I can't do that. The other day, a pastor's wife, she really rebuked me, but I loved it. I wrote it down. She was telling me something. I said, man, I wish I was gifted like you because I'm not. There's nothing that I do that I could say, I'm great at this. And so she wrote this whole thing. She texted to me, are you kidding? And she names all this stuff, and I'm laughing because it's it's things in Christ. But I thought, okay, I'm not going to say that anymore. I'm done saying that. Um, A National Geographic photographer, he takes 40,000 pictures for 30 that he's going to use and put in National Geographic. 40,000. He crumbles up the rest, and he throws them away. He concentrates on the 30 that are good. You and I, we concentrate on the crumbled ones, the ones that are no good. We need to stop doing that. Your mind decides what you're able to endure. Jesus said, if you suffer, you will reign with me. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, he endured for you and I. All the battles of life are in our mind. All the battles are right here. I can do all things with Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Give your mind good food. If not your mind will find bad food. Did you hear that? If you don't fill your mind with good food, it's going to run out and find bad food to stick it in there. 
Three things that work on your mind, pictures, words, and God's word. Pictures, words, and God's word. Be careful because you're going to see pictures that you shouldn't. Be careful because words are going to come against you and hit you, and you're going to concentrate on the negative words. What you need to do is concentrate on God's word. Words you say and words you listen to. Right now, uh, if you don't mind, Sabrina, uh, those of you, and I'm going to close real quick because I know you have to go. Those of you that came to all-night prayer, how would you like it, by the way? Was not young amazing? Okay, I made you a little list here. These are things that you could say. This isn't Young's list. This is just I made it quickly. These are names of God. You know how she said, first, I tell God who he is. Then I tell God who I am. So I'm going to run through these real quick. If you have to leave, I won't think you're being rude. I know you have a hubby waiting. But names that you can call God in the morning. Lord God Almighty. Most High God. My Lord and my Master. Jehovah. Lord my banner. Lord my shepherd. Lord that heals. My Lord is there. Lord my righteousness. Lord who sanctifies you. Everlasting God. Jealous God. Lord will provide. My Lord is peace, Lord of hosts, Lamb of God, Prince of peace, Holy God of Israel, powerful God, surprising God, merciful God, loving God, mighty creator, the God who sees me, my rock, eternal God, consuming fire, the name above names, my king, my husband, my living God, my dwelling place, my refuge, my shield, my fortress, my strong tower, my judge, hope of Israel, my father. Now, names that you are. You're a child of God. You're a branch of the true vine. You're a conduit of Christ's life. A conduit is like a pipe a friend of Jesus, you're justified and redeemed, um, you're crucified with Christ, you're no longer a slave to sin, you will not be condemned by God, uh, you've been set free from the law of sin and death, you're a fellow heir with Christ, you've been accepted by Christ, you've been called to be a saint, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. I am joined to the Lord, and I'm one spirit with him. I am led in the triumph and knowledge of Christ. The hardening of my mind has been removed in Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm a soul winner. I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been made one with all who are in Christ Jesus. I am no longer a slave, but a child and an heir. I have been set 
free in Christ. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I am chosen, holy, and blameless before God. I am redeemed and forgiven by the grace of God. I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I have been made alive in Christ. I am seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I am God's workmanship, created to produce good works. I've been brought near to God by the blood of Christ. I am a member of Christ's body and a partaker of his promise. I have boldness and confident access to God through faith in Christ. I am a voice for God. I am light in the Lord. I am a citizen of heaven. The peace of God guards my heart and mind. God supplies all my needs. I have been made complete in Christ. I have been raised up with Christ. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Christ is my life. I will be revealed with him in glory. I have been chosen of God, and I am holy and beloved. God loves me and has chosen me. I'm called. I'm perfect, fulfilling God's purpose, ministering to the least of the least. I'm accomplishing the unbelievable. God loves every detail about me. I'm willing to pay a great price. Great things for God will come to me. That's who you are. I don't care what the devil says. Let's just praise him right now. Father, we praise you and we magnify you. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for everything you've done in our lives and for what you're going to do. Father, open up the windows of heaven, Lord. Fill these women with wisdom, with knowledge, Lord God. Give them a hunger for you, Lord. And Father, thank you for the grace and the mercy that you've placed in our lives, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord.